House of Mystery presents Inside Writing, the radio show where authors discuss their writing process in all genres. You're being joined by your host and hostess. I'm Kevin and Judy Savile. And today we've got a very special guest. This one was, was long in the waiting. We are being joined by David Wells. David, welcome to the show. How are you? Hi, guys. I'm good, thank you. I'm sorry I made you wait so long. <laughs> oh, well, it was well worth the wait. We're here today, right? It's true enough, yes. Well, that so, popular demand. Yes, a fan favorite from what I understand. I'm blushing. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> you are such a fibber. <laughs> so, so David, just for you know the listeners that that aren't familiar with who you are, give us a, a little brief history of who is David Wells. Oh, good grief! Um, well, there's a story. Um, I've had several incarnations in this one life. Um, I, uh, people mostly know me from uh, Most Haunted, whereas I was a medium on the show, and a lot of people also know me from uh, the astrology columns that I, I write for various publications, and um, I have some books out as well with Hay House, so I guess um, that's how people uh, people really know me, but I was, you know, I was in the Royal Navy for, uh, you know, a decade, I um <clears throat> I sort of uh, grew up in a little town in Scotland, a little village in Scotland, a little mining community, and um, what else about me? Just, uh, do you know what? The, the difficult thing for me, really, is I like to keep my head down, which is odd considering what I do for a living. <laughs> but, um, so I, when people ask me who are you, things, I get a bit embarrassed, quite frankly. But, um, you know, I, I kind of hope that my work speaks, speaks for itself, really. David, do you have siblings? Did, were you, were you, and were you brought up in a, a spiritual family? Um, yes, I have uh, one sister, and no, not particularly. My grandmother, if, you know, if, any, if it came through any line, it would be my paternal grandmother. Um, she was the one that would um, see things or, or give you these little nuggets of, of spiritual um, information. She was actually... A, a, in, in Scotland, there's a, I don't know if it's anywhere else, but it's called the Brethren. It's like a kind of, and then she was Salvation Army. Um, and not strong, not strict in, in, in any form, but um, she was the one who would, um, who, who kind of, she kind of nurtured it in me. And she was certainly my first spiritual experiences around my grandmother's house when I would uh, speak to my grandfather and he would sing to me and talk to me. And he'd been dead for, for years um, when he was doing that, so that was a bit awkward, Ox. And um, um, but the um, I think the, the thing is, she believed me. You know, she wouldn't disbelieve me. She she would be the one that would say okay. And, and um, so I didn't feel quite as if it was something weird or something really truly odd. You know. And I know that there was a specific um, time when you were very unwell, where everything kind of switched on. And certainly for, for me and my mediumship, I had a moment where, although I was well, it just happened in, that, in just kind mm. of one blast of information came through. And it was like, whoa, something just happened there. And I, I, and I had to then try and kind of understand it. Um, when, when that happened to you and you were very unwell, 
did you just automatically know and accept that you had those abilities and that was mediumship or spirituality or did it take some getting getting used to um it, it certainly i didn't accept it uh, i kind of um I would always defend, you know, uh, things like astrology and mediumship and, and, you know, even in the mess decks of the Royal Navy, I would be like, yeah, but yeah, having those are kind of um, arguments. Um, but when it happened, yeah, and you're right, so so many people come to it through that, that moment of suddenly everything's different. It's either, it can be an accident or it can be a, a family tragedy, it can be lots of different things. And some people, it's just walking across the road and wham, it, it happens, you know. Um, but for me, I couldn't get to grips with the, the biggest thing is energy loss. The biggest thing was um, not sleeping, not resting at all, because, of course, the minute you go to sleep, you enter, it's almost like you go straight into the other world, um, and you're, you're drained of your energy, or they're zapping your energy in some way, shape, or form, or you're constantly on, um, so you're, you're effectively an uncontrolled medium, and, and it's just not a good place to be, you know? Um, so just by by um, luck, really, because my mum was quite into mediumship, but she wasn't spiritual in herself, was bought a ticket and then was too worried about going, she was too anxious about it. So at the age of 12, I was kind of... Um, and that was my, probably my first insight into what happens. Mm. Um, but then certainly it wasn't until I was in my 30s that literally talking to somebody on the phone and I just knew I had all of this information to share and I didn't know where it came from, I didn't know the person very well and I went to bed that night very upset, I'd, we'd been talking and as you said, very uncontrolled, well I know this about you, I know this about you, I know that, this happened, blah blah and then the next morning I woke up thinking, ah, that's mediumship and it was just a complete acceptance, there was no challenge, internal challenge which was quite odd. Yeah, yeah, I mean, I, I think, um, but then I guess if you kind of know it's for you, you know, I was fighting it because it wasn't what I wanted, you know, I, I was, I, I, I didn't want it because at that time it seemed to me too difficult, it was, it was certainly physically draining for me and also I, it was slightly different for me in, in so much that it was, um, I wasn't picking up on other people's stuff, it just seemed to be like I was being attacked. Mm. You know, I felt like I was being I was being attacked all the time, and people were just, you know, or spirits were just draining me constantly. There was nothing at that time. I couldn't see anything of value in it, so I, I had no one to tell the information to. I wasn't hearing anything that was particularly positive. It it was all very um, exhausting, really. And you talk about. Um a term that maybe some people will be very familiar with and other people won't be, um, Kabbalah. Mm -hmm. And and you talk about that as, as grounding. It's keep something that is a way of being, a way of life that keeps you grounded. Tell us a little bit about that because I know it's something you're very passionate about. It, it really truly is. I mean, you know, without it, I don't know where I would be. And I tell people it saved my life. And the truth is it did. It absolutely saved my life. And... Um, you know, my, my teacher at the time wouldn't. Uh, I did start with astrology, which is actually quite grounding itself. But I think um, Kabbalah, a lot of people, there's lots of different Kabbalahs, and that's because there is lots of different Kabbalah. <laughs> Just the truth of it, you know, there is. Um, but the one I studied, the, the Western mystic tradition, um, and essentially it's like a, it's like a map, it's like a universal map that. When you're kind of stuck, you can find out where you are and find your way back. You know, I, I always say to people with, a, with all of this work that 
it's about symbolism and you can see I, I can look at the tree and see a different symbolism in it every single time I look at it because I'm focusing on a on a different part of it on a different path or a different safari one of the circles um, same with tarot cards you know I can show you a tarot card you can you can say this means this and I, I can see something completely different in it mm. but we, we there is also within that as a, a universal structure so so for me it's like a um, I know the best way to describe it is it's like a huge uh, oracle, you know, that it's a, it, and it never stops giving. I, I mean, I've, I've been with it now for over, well, nearly 25, 30 years, and I, I still go, oh, yeah, of course, that means this, you know, almost every day, you know. So what does it, how does it influence your life? How, what, how do you use it? Well, I use it in my work, so I use it to bring deeper understanding to perhaps my astrology or to the tarot. I use the Thoth deck um, in tarot, and and it's very strong Kabbalistic references there, so I can use it in, in my work work, if you like. But on a daily basis, in practical daily life, um, if I'm going through a particularly difficult time, uh, a strong astrological um kind of aspects are especially at the moment are quite tricky um, then what it does to me I, I know I know where I'm being held I know which 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 safari or which pathway I'm being held on um, and actually what it does it kind of takes the pressure off in a little way because it helps me understand the process of what's happening so I'm not going blindly through it but you know that's really double edged because part of me sometimes thinks I wish I didn't have this information because I would just maybe crack on and get on with it, and, you know, and just crash through it. Um, and then another part of me thinks, thank goodness I've got this information because I know what's happening. And, and it can be everything from my physical well-being when I know that I'm, I'm just um, I'm in the process of shedding or I'm in the process of transforming in some way, shape or form energetically. It affects me physically. And I know that if I'm ill, not always, I'm not like everything's, you know... Um, but if I'm not, I'm ill, I do look and think, okay, where am I in this? Well, what's happening? Why am I not feeling so great? What do I need to do to change this? So how does this, this kind of um, diagram, this tree of life, how, how do you physically use that? How do you understand it? Um, you understand it through many, many years of studying it, number one. And I think the, what, I think it, the best way I can put it is, is this. If I'm... Um, you know when you look at a Buddha on, on a, you have an altar or you have a room and you have a Buddha on it and you look at it and immediately you feel that room, the room you, you yourself feel peaceful. You feel, you feel calm. But that's because the Buddha has been ensouled. The image of Buddha has been ensouled with everybody's energy thinking calm, peace, calm, peace, calm, peace. It, it, the truth of it is, it's a piece of marble or it's a chunk of concrete or that's what it is. But because people have invested in the symbolism of it, it automatically changes it. It transforms it into something else. With Kabbalah, that drawing that you see, and if you've never seen it before, it will just be, yeah, it's a geometric shape. It's very interesting. Mm -hmm. And lots of people go, ooh. And when they see it, they're, they're naturally drawn to it. Um, but once you understand it more, it does that Buddha thing. Once I, I look at it, and it can bring me great peace, or it can bring me... Um, energy, or sometimes it can make me melancholy, and sometimes it has me screaming at, <laughs> screaming at the wall saying, why am I doing this? What's that point? Um, but it always has an answer for me. So it's, it's that, you know, if, um, if you're passionate about your country and you see, you're traveling and you see your country's flag and everything about your nation 
comes up inside of you. You're proud of your nation, and you you feel you you feel those moments. You feel high school. You feel apple pie. You feel you know, bangers and mash or whatever. All within a symbol. You can you can attach all of that to a symbol. That's what Canada does. So if I if I was to say tomorrow, I've you know I've looked at the symbol. I'm attracted. There's something pulling me into this symbol, but I don't know what it is. Where do I yeah. start? Oh, at the beginning. <laughs> Uh, yes. <laughs> That's something my teacher always used to say. So I don't know where to start. And she would always, always start. say, start at the beginning. Um, and that's the truth. So you start by, first of all, um, getting yourself a copy of, of that symbol so you, so you can see, have it around you. Obviously, one of my books might help, I'm just saying. <laughs> but, Absolutely. <laughs> but you also, I think, during the research, because there's, there's various types. You know, we all know, um, we all know Kabbalah has this, uh, you know, with a K, with a C, with a Q, it's all spelled differently, and you find uh, there's some very negative things said about the one that, that um, Madonna follows, unnecessarily so. They're just all different forms. They're all different forms. Or the Judaic K, and, you know, you... you um, you find which one suits you, and I would suggest if you love your astrology and if you love your tarot and you love those esoteric teachings and paganism, then probably the Q, as I would I would call it, um, is probably more for you. But if you love real hardcore study and you want to know the Judaic terms and the Judaic words, you know, you that Hebrew is, is really intrinsic to a different style of Kabbalah. So you, it's really how you feel you want to run it. But um, the secret is always, I think, with everything in life, is if you can find them, get find good teachers. You know? and, and that's hard to do. Like you said, there are so many versions out there. Like, you know, like Christianity, you know, you've got Catholics, you've got Baptists, you've got Methodists, and everybody sees it differently. A hundred percent, yeah, and that, that's the thing. Um but just like you know, if you if you're going into religion, you you would go and you would see does this does this suit me? And if it, if it doesn't, you have to be big enough to say this isn't for me. Um, and I think that's one of the keys that I, you know people, whatever it is, regardless if you're sitting in a circle, if you're doing an astrology course, you're know, If it's not for you, you have to speak up and go and find out what is for you. And yeah, because you know, it's not one size fits all, you know. Yes, because to us, in, in our form of Judaism, Kabbalah, if I had to generalize it, you've got the Talmud that explains, you know, how God thinks, and then you've got Kabbalah. This is how God acts. This is how God does what he does. You know, you've got the nine stations of spirit which create that tree, and each one, like you said, is a different level of being. Mm. Did, did I muddy the waters, or did I? <laughs> <laughs> it's very true. I, I think that, you know, as Julie said earlier, where, where would I start? And I do mean start at the beginning. So for, for me, you would start at the very bottom of that diagram and try to understand that bottom uh, safara. Um, you know, because the, the circle, the, the, and remember they're, they're, they are circular, they're not, they're not uh, well, sorry, they're spheres, they're not just a circle, flat circle, they're spheres of energy. Um, and you start to understand Malkuth, which is the earth one, because and it's easy for you because that's where you live. You are, you're there. That's that's where you live on this diagram. And remember, it's a symbolic diagram of the universe. It's not literal. We're not literally saying this is what it looks like. It's a it's a symbolic diagram. 
So you would think, okay, I live on Earth, I'm going to study this. What does this, what's this Markov term? What does it mean? And you know, it's about money. It's about health, your health. It's about your well-being. It's about the powers of Earth. It's about the elemental kingdoms that construct the world that we live in. Um, and then when you've got that in your pocket and you've, you've done the, the work and you've, you've understood and, and probably gone to the temple and had a, had um, communication with the holy powers there, like Sandalphon, for example, the Archangel of Humanity, once you've done all of that, then you can maybe think about moving up to, to Yesod, up to the next level, and then understand what that means. And then so you go on. Eleven years it took me up, down, up, and back down again. So... Um, you know, that's about normal, about 11 years. It's complicated. It's, but, but, it, but it isn't, you know. It, that, that's why I try to get to people. Um, and also, I, I really believe, that, um, I passionately believe, that whilst, you know, in my, I'm 58 this year, so, um, you know, I think my generation are the ones that had to, had to do this without the benefits of, of um, oh, the drawbacks, perhaps, of computers and all the rest of it. I had to go to a library to find out some of this stuff, and it's quite shocking, really. Um, but um, but I firmly believe that, that the generations behind me have um, quicker access to it because actually they take it up quicker, they understand it quicker. Um, so so I'm here to kind of, kind of steady the ship a little bit and think, you know, I'm not an old fuddy duddy and I don't, I don't go, oh, you've got to do 11 years study before you get this mantle <laughs> given to you. I, I, I have clients who I go and see and I think, my, my goodness, they're ready. Right now they're ready for this level and I wasn't there for 45 years and they're there in, in like six months and they are ready. I'm not just making up. They're ready, you know. So I, I think it's just a case of um, giving, giving you all to it um, and it will. What I love about it is it shows up in your life. That's what's important for me about about the cue. It turns up and it goes, da da. Here you are. Here's your lesson. And you think, okay, I get that now. Yes, thank you. <laughs> but don't do that again. <laughs> now, now, when when people come to you for Kabbalah, what are they really looking for? Um, they're looking just to, just like most people are looking to understand the, the symbol. They, they feel naturally drawn towards it in some way, shape, or form. Um, and then when I say to them that this is a, a very long, long study, they sort of then they go, they can often do something else usually. But um, you usually well, they, find they want the easy fix. Yeah, so some do, and some are ready. Some some actually can move very quickly, and some maybe not so much. Um, and they, you know, I think the beauty is I, I run, I've only ever in my life run one group course and, um, because I knew it would take 10 years, you know. Um, and that's a big commitment for anyone, to, any teacher to make. And um, I started with 33 people and I have four of them now. So it kind of, it kind of, it, it's not, that's not to say that people couldn't do it and it's no criticism of them because people learn and then they go off and they do other things in life. And, and they, you know, wherever you end the wherever you end with Kabbalah is where you're supposed, you know, it's where you are, and all that information never goes away. It's something you will absolutely use all the time. Um, but the point I'm trying to make is, it is a bit of a long journey. It's a bit of a, you know, a, a tough old call sometimes. And, and I always say to people, you know, if you're gonna 
if you're going to stand there and call in the gods, in whichever form you do that, whether it's Wicca, whether it's, whether it's Kabbalah, um, however you do it, if you're going to call in the gods, you better be ready for that. You better be sure of yourself and you better be ready because they will come. And when they come, they will want you to walk alongside them. So, at what point do you think, sorry, Kevin, um, I'm just thinking in terms of this, um, the, the diagram and the meaning behind it, from what, I, what I'm learning, David, it's, it's like um, how we all learn from our own experiences and our own journeys and how we, we learn those lessons and then um, I know that you can also use mediumship and tarot and, and yeah. crystals and past life regression as part of your, your workings with Kabbalah. Mm-hmm. But in, in terms of how, how does it all fit together? <laughs> it fits together personally and that's, that's the key. I think um, you're absolutely right and, and this is what I always say to people, whether you are consciously doing the tree of life or not, you're doing the tree of life. By the very fact that you're here on earth, you're doing it. You know, you're absolutely, and I hear people talk it who'd have never done it, and I hear people talking it and I think, yeah, I, I know where they are, or I understand maybe a bit of um, what would help or where to go with it. Um, it's the same with them. Um, I had someone, I had, it was a quote about someone famous, and I won't mention who they were, but whether it's true or not, you know, <laughs> is another thing. But it was very sad that um, she said the difference between her and her friends was that she was on a spiritual path and they weren't. Now, that's shocking to me because we're all on the spiritual path regardless of whether you know or don't know um, what, what this symbol means or what that angel is or whatever. You know, you, you're on a spiritual path. Um, and I think the beauty of, of learning a system like Q for a lot of people now is it makes more sense of their astrology or it makes more sense of their tarot or more sense of their past life work or crystals. Um, because they're all held in some way, shape, or form in a structure. And the one thing that I think I see a lot with people is they do a workshop in crystals, then they'll have a, a weekend away on angels, and then they'll just do a little bit of this and a little bit of that, and then they'll, they won't bring it together. They won't see the correlation between all of this. It's actually a bit more or else the same thing. Um, and they won't be able to, to match it up together. And then, it slows them down. I think it slows them down not to have some kind of structure, you know. So is it is it spirit guides and angels that are coming through on that diagram on the wherever you are, whatever sphere you're you're focusing on to guide you, or? Yeah, they're definitely there. They're, your your own guides will walk with you and masters, etc. And every single you know every safari has a, a, a an angel attached to it, so there's one angelic being there. Um, they have, um, they also have, and I'm not really up on this because it's, it wasn't my story, but they also have all the gods and goddesses from every faith and every religion you'll find on there. The same with crystals and incense, you will find a number, you will find a letter, a words, you will find, you will find lots of things. And, and if you, if you break it down in its simplest form, the, the, the sephiroth, the, the circles are the planets. Um, and the pathways between them that you see are the major arcana of the tarot. So that in and of itself tells you how magic works within it. So you have all the planets and you have all the tarot cards. In its simplest form, if you imagine then, if you know your tarot, that you're walking from Earth to so Malkuth up to Yesod, and Yesod is like um, the moon. So, the, so Earth is what it says, Earth. 
asteroid is the moon, so the moon is above us, which is exactly where it is. The path between Earth and the moon is the universe path. Now, that's the birth canal. The universe path is like, you know, here we are. We, we've landed. Um, so it makes kind of, it makes, it makes a lot of sense to me. You know, so the universe path isn't exactly the same, exactly where it should be, but then it leads us on to, yes, of the moon, which is therefore about your subconscious. It's about your past life. It's that gathering of, um, astral worlds as well. They live there. So the astral worlds are just one above us, which is why we can see them. It's why as a medium we can contact the astral worlds because it's just one above us, just the one. But if you want to talk to masters, there are a good three above you, so that's a bit of a bit of a harder harder uh, path, you know. Well, I I think I just made a connection, and tell me if I'm wrong, David. Um, Kabbalah is a representation of our energy frequencies, like you were saying. If you want to speak to the masters, those are three levels up. So we've got to raise our energy up to that level through our study, through our learning, and, you know, this is going to sound cliche, but through our karma. Yeah, absolutely, 100%. You, you, you know, I, something, uh, masters aside, people, um, people will often say to me, I can't contact my spirit by stamping their feet and I don't know how. I can't contact my spirit guy. He or she never makes themselves known. Um, why won't they come to me? And I'm like, well, princess, it's because <laughs> you go to them. You know, here's the deal. You go to them. They're, they're, they may have contacted, you know, there are guys obviously that are around us all the time. And it, they are around us regardless. But it's seeing them, you, you're right. You need to raise your vibration that little bit. And I'm sure you know through your mediumship work, the more you work with it and the more your vibration changes, the easier the channel becomes. And actually, it seems like the higher up you can contact and you get, you're getting longer-term information rather than just short-term stuff. And the longer you stay in that higher vibration, the more you want to stay there. It's almost addicting. Uh, yeah, it kind of is, and, and you know, you move up a level, it's kind of like most things in life, if you get a badge, if you get a gold badge from a teacher, you want a platinum one, you know, and same with the cars, you know, you, <laughs> you feel, if you get into, if you get into business class and you see them all in first class, that's where you want to be. Um, so it's kind of, it's kind of the same, but it's, but the karmic thing I think is really what's important, uh, because karmically, we're all trying to um, refine ourselves through the challenges we've chosen. And again, there's an astrological thing. So your astrological chart fits on the tree, uh, highlighting your karmic, uh, the planets who you may have stronger karmic connections with, then echo in the, the safari, you're likely to have stronger karmic connections too. So some are easier, some are tougher. Some tougher for me and maybe not so uh, tough for you because you think, well, this is why why the bottom. This is really easy, but I'm really struggling here because karmically, I, I can't get this. It's hard for me to understand. You know. Now, let me ask this, and, and this is a serious question, and, and I, I hope I'm not misunderstanding. According to to your astrological chart, are some people more prone to Kabbalah than others? due to where they are as astrology, you know, astrologically. Um, yes, yes, that was a tough word. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I guess um, I, I've, I've yet to, I've yet to show people, if I've been talking about, because I always, 
I always, if I'm, if I'm doing a lecture or a workshop or something on astrology or tarot, I always, or past whatever really, I always mention Kabbalah because I think it's important that you honour your traditions. It's really important that people know that that's where it comes from, a lot of your work comes from. And I've yet to see anyone who sees the tree and doesn't go, oh, that's interesting. You know, they see it and think there's something within them. So I think it is within all of us, but you're right. And it's equally astrologically as sound, though, to say that some people, you know, don't want anything to do with any of it because it's just in this incarnation. It's not where they're at. You know, they don't care about astrology. You know, they, they don't they don't care about tarot. They couldn't give a monkeys about archangels. Doesn't make them wrong. Doesn't make them any less spiritual in any way, shape, or form. Just means in this life, it's not for you. It's that simple. <laughs> it really is that simple. Although way more complicated. That makes sense, doesn't it? <laughs> <laughs> it's a conundrum. It's it a paradox. That's life. <laughs> Are there particular um, astrological signs that would find it harder to understand? I think it's a good question. I think harder or probably approaching differently. You know, I, I, I would think that... Um, some some signs have a, for, for example, Gemini's and Aquarius are really good at astrology because they have a mind that can have six conversations at a time, you know, and therefore they can leap around the chart and make the connections and have the conversations and draw down. Um, whereas a Virgo, for example, might need to write it down and be more practical, have a list about it and make sure that they've checked and double-checked those, um, those facts and, and figures and things and check them out three times. Um, Whereas, you know, someone like a, a Leo would love the drama of the temples, would love all the, uh, you know, the attention and within the, within the, the attention to all the grandness within temples. Um, but they might not be so keen on the washing up after you've had some dinner. You know, but it's, um, I think, I think, um, there's an old joke that says, you know, I don't believe in astrology, typical Capricorn, you know, um, it's just a very old joke. And, there are some signs who maybe have other things that need to be getting on with in this life, um, and yet I've not met. I've not. I've, I do this thing when I when I when I do seminars and things. To it, it's one of you know it's, it opens up and it helps me raise the energy in the room and it helps me um, understand the energy in the room. And I, I say you know um, how many of each sign does it take to change a light bulb? So so what's your sign, Kevin? Taurus. So how many tourists does it take to change a light bulb? Like they care as long as they can see what they're eating, they don't really mind. <laughs> <laughs> and what's yours? True. What's yours, Julie? Cancer. Cancer? So how many cancers does it take to change a light bulb? Well, you know, first of all, that cancer's got to check with the family because that's what they do. And they have to make sure it's peachy pink to match those curtains they got last week because they don't want their home looking out of balance. Um, <laughs> yes. <laughs> So, you know, so I do that kind of thing. And that kind of, that, that um, everybody, when you do all of the signs, everybody gets that that's, that's part of who they are. That's, that, and everybody looks and nudges each other and goes, that's you. Yeah, you're just like that. Um, <laughs> so I do think that in various shapes and, and different, because everybody's chart, as I'm sure you know, is completely different. Um, and there's different weights to, to how much spirituality they're going to deal with. If it lives in the ninth house, they want, they want to discover more about their world through, probably through their belief systems. 
and there's nothing there, nothing above the horizon, they might not want to. They might not want to at all. Um, and there are people who, you know, actively work against it, actively uh, will will go, no, it's all a complete load of all nonsense, and here's the proof. And I think that's important. I think it's really, really important, because we should have that balance. There are, there are zealots in, in all sorts of, um, all sorts of ways, and, and you know, I think that people who have absolute blind faith that everything that ever happens, it was an angel that did it, um, uh, it's just as tricky as those who, who have no faith, you know. So, trying to find the balance when you're reading, um, as you were saying earlier, you, you know, you have a difficult situation to deal with, so you'll, you'll look at the, um, the diagram and, and try and make sense of it. What are you, what? How are you navigating all the spheres and their conflicting messages, or how do you understand them? Well, for me, um, I, if I, I use, I use it in conjunction with. So I'm fully tooled up when I do a reading. <laughs> so I have, I have the tree, I have their astrological chart, and I have my tarot deck. Now, so if I'm using just astrology and I see within the astrology as I'm talking some kind of repeating pattern around one planet. Then I will look at the um, look at my tree. Then as I'm taking cards, if something comes up that's a correlation, so say, for example, someone has a whole lot of Jupiter and there's lots of um, difficult things within Jupiter, then I will, and if I look at the cards and the Hermit card comes up, I know that the Hermit is linked to Jupiter. So I will know that in order to understand their gifts a bit more, in order to understand what it is that they're here to do possibly, they need to retreat. They need to take some time away. They also need to look back and see how far they've come um, so that they understand that this is not for them going to be the fastest of journeys, but it's a steady, it's a steady journey. It's something that will work really well for them. And once they realize they don't have to hurry, because the pressure is off, you don't have to go at this at 10,000 miles an hour. You can actually take as long as you need to take. That's, it's as simple as that. They then relax into it a bit more and they feel more inclined to, um, okay, it's cool, I'm going to take some time off and I'm just going to go and sit on the beach and ponder life in the universe and I'll come back at it when I'm ready. So I, I do try to link in all of the, all of the things I'm working with. I look for correlation, that's the, that's the key. I look for repeats. I look for the, the, the same tarot coming out all the time or the same, the same planet being mentioned in the tarot cards all the time or the same aspects all the time, those sorts of things. Patterns. Do, do you receive the information from, from the tree in the same way as, if I receive information from spirit, I think of it as a thought. Yeah. It, it's just something I know. Um, yeah. And that took a little while to get the hang of, is that my thought or is it spirit, and, and differentiate yeah. between the two. Is yeah. that the same way as your, your reading from the tree? I think what it does is, it, it is the same, kind of activates something within you. So very often what will happen is I will look at the tree, look at the cars, look at their um, chart or whatever I'm looking at, then never look at them again for about 40 minutes because it, it, has, it, has all just, it all just fires within you. And you, you're right, I listen to um, whoever's communicating and it just somehow comes out. And I don't, the hardest part I think, and you probably feel the same by is that the hardest part of this work very often is getting out of your own way, is, is stepping aside so you're not you're not putting your your stamp on it that you're absolutely allowing that channel to be as clean as you can possibly make it. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and that that's 
that's a real learning, isn't it? And it must be, I mean, from, for, as a medium, you're kind of knowing that stuff, and then surely the tree is, is another layer completely. I, I, yeah, I think, you know, when we do, um, so if we're doing spiritual development or, or maybe psychic development uh, classes, then I'm going to do meditation and do a very nice, pleasant meditation, um, you know, to, I don't know, sit by a lake or what and reflect on the subconscious mind, it's water, subconscious mind, and, and use that symbolism. But then if I go and I use a meditation that involves Kabbalistic symbolism, so we go into one of the inner temples, we go into the Temple of Earth, usually that, that's probably um, the only place we'll go. So we go into the Temple of Earth, that switches things, and people people will go, oh, what happened? What what just happened? Because it's because it's so ancient, and because these paths are so well trodden, the images come to them before I even say it. I'll say something, and they'll go, I, I saw this before you said it, and they're astounded. I'm like, well, you know, because it's there, because it's real. <laughs> um, and I think also the um, I've done readings without using the tree. So say I, you know, if I'm doing two or three at a time, um, and readings with with the Kabbalistic influence, um, and the one with the Kabbalistic influences and, and doing past life work using it, it they exhaust me more. The, the energy is higher, so therefore in a physical body they take their toll more. You know, if you teach Kabbalah, it's absolutely exhausting. Um, I'd like to re revisit uh, Julie's uh, previous question. When I first started studying parapsychology, it was much more clinical than it was spiritual. Now, as, as you're doing these readings or you're teaching others to do this, how can we be certain that at a subconscious level we're not affecting the reading? either using Kabbalah cards or even your own intuition? Yeah, that's the eternal question, that one. <laughs> that one. Um, it's a really difficult one because you, when, you're, when you're doing your reading, and these are people you, you've never met at all, you, you just don't, you don't know them at all, um, there is an inevitability that something in you is going to trigger a memory. Something's going to go oh, I've seen this before, and when I saw this before, this is how it ended, or this is what happened. Um, for me, I try my very best to be very conscious of what comes out of my mouth during readings, which is unusual for me, let me tell you, in life. It's not normally the truth, but when I do readings, I'm more conscious. Um, mm -hmm. But um, what, I, what I find is that... Um, there are sometimes, and you're absolutely right, sometimes, I don't know, you guys might feel the same, sometimes I come out of a reading, and I question it, and I think, hang on, was that, was that my personality, was that my, you know, and, and I really, I really struggle with it, still, as much as anyone else, I'll put my hand up um, to that, but the key to me is, when I do my, my return and my checkup with them, um, and say, you know, how, how are you, how are things going, and they've got something from it, and they've moved on, or they've, They've um, removed a block, or they've, they've changed something, challenged something, got out of their comfort zone. You know, then then I think, okay, that's that's what's important. That's the truth of what's important. Good, good. Um, another question, and, and David, this is going to sound like it's coming out of left field, <laughs> but in your studies of Kabbalah, have you come across the theory of multiple universes layered on top of each other? Um. 
Not not so much in my study of, of Kabbalah, but most certainly in my study with past life work. A hundred percent. It's the you know, I, I say to people that time is not linear, it's circular. Um so therefore, you know, it's things like your past life, uh, your last so people we, we think chronologically, so your last life was in Victorian England. But that's not really necessarily the case. Your last life before this incarnation could have been in ancient Egypt. Um, and the one before that, so going chronologically backwards, could have been Victorian England. So in other words, you don't go sequentially. You can go anywhere you like, anywhere you want within this huge, mad universe. And that's a multi-universe. Um, and another way of explaining it is, um, you know, imagine, bear with, you're in Star Trek. You go into the holodeck and you go computer on and it creates this world around you which you are the central character and everyone reacts around you um, and you react differently and everybody who uses that program gets a different reaction. It's that. It's that. So you come in, you go, okay, computer on, here we are, incarnated into whatever world we're in. Um, here's the experience I'm going to have with all my friends around me, all my soulmates around me. Uh, computer off, okay, where do we go next? What do I need to learn next? What does my soul need to know next? Oh, that is, I enjoy that. Thank you. I appreciate that, that it's not so linear. You know, I didn't start off as a Neanderthal, and then, you know, I slowly moved up the ladder. You can really go wherever you want. Maybe uh, he's just telling you, Kevin, you didn't move up any ladder. <laughs> True. Now, uh, now this, uh, this is going to sound a little bit silly, but before the show, me and Julie were joking around with each other, talking about past lives. Mm -hmm. and, and why is it that everybody, and, and I'm speaking very generalistically here, everybody that has had a past life was always somebody famous. They were Napoleon, mm -hmm. they were King Tut, they were, you know, the Queen of Sheba. Nobody was ever Bob the blacksmith, you know? Myth. That's an absolute myth. It's not true. I've done hundreds of past life regressions, and I can count on one hand the famous people. That's an absolute myth. Um, I think what that is, is people who've had famous lives like to shout about them. Um, <laughs> like to let everybody Touché. know. Yeah, like to know that they've had one. And here's, here's the thing, you know, so what if you had a famous life? It means usually that it was extraordinarily difficult, I suspect, and also that you've created, because you've affected so many people's lives, you've created huge amounts of karmic conditioning. Um, you know, because nobody's going to get those ones perfectly. And equally, so what if you were Cleopatra? So where probably another 7,000 people, at least millions of people, have had that life too. Because in the multi-universe, we can all have a go at being Cleopatra because we need to maybe understand that for our soul's growth. So you're not that special, Cleo. That's what I think. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wow. Wow. But, but you're right, and it's something um, I do hear. I do hear that a lot. But when I get uh, someone who's who's having a, a, a life of notoriety, I love it because the the history either matches up perfectly, which you know is interesting, or it's completely off. Um, and I love that because um, I did a past life regression with someone who it doesn't matter who she was, but she died in a particular way in this past life, and and I said to her. That's not what history tells us. I questioned her when she was still in her past life. And she said something really important. I've never forgotten it. She said, um, history is written by men and by winners. So in other words, 
don't believe history because it's not always true. It's fake news. <laughs> <laughs> Touche. <laughs> Lesson learned. What's the most interesting past life regression you've you've supported, David? Oh, good grief. Um, I've done past life work where someone was an alien, so they went to a life as an alien being. Um, and interesting in many respects, because not only because of what they saw and how they were, um, but also in the physical, in, in, my, in my consulting room, they were, they were shaking, in a, they were going backwards and forwards and up and down, so their, their body was physically vibrating um, completely. And I actually panicked a little bit because I thought, I have never seen this before. Mm-hmm. But I persevered. I thought, no, he was, his voice was still calm and he was still describing what he was saying. And, but I was thinking, oh, my goodness. And his partner was, was with him, and she was like, what's going on? Is this normal? Do they normally, like, practically levitate? I'm like, this, no, it's not normal. Um, and afterwards, when we were talking about it, and we mentioned this, he had no idea. He had no idea that he was moving in any way, shape, or form. He didn't even know he was moving. Um, so it just shows that the, the astral body vibrates, and it vibrates physically. It doesn't even recognize it during regression because you're so got, you're so out of it, um, and yet completely conscious enough to say to tell me the story. And if I said to him, "Do you want a cup of tea when we've done this?" He would have, "Yeah, fine, two sugars." You know, you see, so you're not in some kind of trance. Um, it was extraordinary. And another one that comes to mind is because people automatically it's in past lives, the past lives here on Earth, which you know that one clearly wasn't. The alien wasn't. But another way is also, um, I did a past life regression with someone and I thought, why are you just wandering around into people's houses and living there and doing, doing this and just not, there's no care for anyone. What's going on? And I couldn't, I couldn't, because I see some of what's going on and I'm getting messages obviously from my team. And um, I couldn't, I, was, I kept saying what's going on and they were just saying, just wait, just wait, just wait. I was like, okay, just wait. And I got them to look into a mirror in a house he just walked in and taken over. Um, and as he looked in the mirror, his face was half hanging off. It was like a skeleton and flesh and things hanging off. Um, so he'd actually regressed to a life when he was a ghost. Oh, man, I, wanna, I, I wanted to ask about that. <laughs> Dr. So, you, you guys uh, must be psychic. You took my question. <laughs> so yeah so he was haunting in this life and we we had to wind it back a bit to the point of death as to why he got stuck why did you get stuck here on earth um and then we sort of then we did some timeline therapy so you released the pain of that and you released the the fact that he was in fact he was um he was haunting um in that life and um and worked forward from that point so we could release the the, the feeling of isolation he always had he felt like he just never, never quite fitted in, or people didn't see him. In this life, that was his big thing. People don't see him. So that's why. How, uh, in terms of past life regression, then, mm-hmm. do you naturally regress back to a, a poignant part, a poignant experience, or could it be quite random? So if somebody went, was taken back a few times, could it be different every time? Absolutely. I, I say to people, you know, if it's your first one, let your soul decide. Let your soul decide what's, what's relevant right here, right now. And that's always, to me, what happened is people get a life that's relevant. And, you know, not always famous. Usually they're feeding chickens or they're farming or they're um, or painting pictures or they're sort of swanning around reading books. So there are very, very few of them are famous. Um, then we get to the, the point of the life. 
uh, and then it has this echo into what they're doing now. So it has to, the value of it is it's a cycle, it's a repeat karmic condition that you are repeating now, and your soul will say to you, you're still doing this, and chronologically, with your chronological earthly head on, you've been doing this for 700 years, perhaps you want to change it now. Maybe after 700 years you want to do something different. Um, and when you hear that, you think, yeah, <laughs> yeah, I kind of do really, I've done enough of this. I've been in this relationship with this soul far too many times and now I need to change. You know, so it's, but once you get the hang of it and once you understand the process and once you've had a return and done a few perhaps, you can say, I'd like to visit this life because I feel there's more information I need to find out. Or I keep getting this call to Egypt and I just want to ask perhaps if, it, if I can see what this means. It doesn't guarantee it though. It never guarantees it because your soul may have another idea. Can you go back as an animal? Interesting question. Um, I have never um, experienced a past life regression where someone stayed as an animal, but I have seen them where they have returned to uh, being a, an animal. But it's been part of a journey where they've been going backwards and they go, oh my goodness, I'm a horse. And I'm thinking, okay, so what do you, and then they've gone on to, wait a minute, I'm going back, I'm coming back, and I'm, I'm now in another life. So I've heard them say it. But I think it's, um, from what I understand from talking to um, talking to my values, you know, as you do. Um, it, uh, so if you've been human, you don't then become animal. You can you can remember the life, but you don't you don't go physically. You don't go back into into uh, an animal life. Why not? Yeah, I quite like to go back as a cat. I love a cat. <laughs> just, it does its own thing and because, lies on people's pocket, food down, but then you just leave again. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, you, you, yeah I know who people people who live like that. So you don't have to be a cat. <laughs> um, I think you, you um, I think it's because it, it, it seems to me that what happens is the, the animal kingdoms who have past lives of their own they, they have soul journeys of their own um, they form if you like a group of souls and that group of souls then becomes human so then as the human soul develops it wants to learn more and understand more so because it, it, the truth is that all of us at one point were nothing but a spark Nothing but a you know a leaf from the wind. Nothing but a but a, a you know the part of a tree. That that's that's the truth of it. We were we were an R made from stardust. So we 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 were always we've always got that little part of us, which is why some of us graduate towards water and some towards mountains. Well, I want to come back as a cat so I can lay around and lick myself. <laughs> okay. <laughs> thanks, thanks for that image. <laughs> so, David, before we let you go, you've written a, you've written a number of books. Where are those available at, and where can the listeners find those? Um, you can get them uh, through the usual places, Amazon and Book Depository. So if you're um, overseas, and Book Depository is great because they don't charge you um, any postage whatsoever. Um, you can get them from Hay House website as well. I don't have them on my website because some of them are print, or quite a few of them are print on demand. So, you know, you can get it next day from Amazon, but if I wanted 20 of them, I have to wait four weeks, go figure. Oh, wow. <laughs> I know, it's quite bonkers really, isn't it? Um, that's such as the world we live in. Um, and also, you know, there's, um, I do courses and readings and mentorship and things. Um, and you can find out more on davidwells.co.uk, which is my website. 
Before we close, David, if you could just explain to people exactly what would be involved in you working alongside somebody. So what help would you, might you be able to give to people? It really depends. You know, I, I, I'm very keen to run bespoke services for people on mentorship. So it's a, we have a dialogue, we have a discovery call. So I talk about what their needs, short term or long term, whether it's development of their um, you know, intuition and awareness. Sometimes it's going deeper and using some of the processes of the tree of life to help them enhance their own practices. Sometimes, obviously, it's past life work. Um, because they feel stuck or blocked with past lives and they, they know it's from past lives but they don't know who or, or what. Um, and also, it's it, a lot of the work that I do is really based around... Um, it's really odd, isn't it? I mean, I know you guys will understand a bit, and I'm sure many of you listeners will understand. It's the, it's the exchange of energy. It's the, it's the bouncing your energy off someone else and helping them, I think, to understand their, their own symbols, the symbols and the way in which their own energy is working. The key to all of this, you know, if I could leave you with just one thing I think is absolutely the, the secret to all of this, is that, um, is to understand your subconscious, understand the way that symbolism works for you and the symbols that it produces and feed it, give it Give it as many symbols as you can. Feed it all of this, these different ways for it to spark the messages for you, and it will work wonders. Wow, that's wow. great. Yeah, what an hour and an honour, David. I am sat here with a little bowl of Maltesers, a glass <laughs> of red wine, co-host Kevin, and David Wells. You, it doesn't get better than that. <laughs> Well, teasers, mm, chocolate. Yeah, well, I won't put them in order, a favourite, but that's what we have. It's been a fabulous hour, and I really don't think that we've, well, we haven't touched the, the kind of the tip of the iceberg in, in your knowledge about um, Kabbalah and, and um, spirituality and mediumship and all of those things. It's just been fascinating, and I really hope that you, you um, come back on the show and, and talk to us some more. Thank you. I've really, really enjoyed myself. And I will come back, yes, I'm sure. As we ha as have we. Yeah, we just like the conversation and um and um before every any interview I don't I don't do any research and clearly I, I, I know of you David anyway, but I don't go in, I don't research things, I don't because I like the conversation. And if I'm curious about something, you can rest assured that the majority of our listeners will also have the same burning questions. And they may sound basic at times or they may sound a bit complicated at times, mm. but they're questions that go through people's minds. And you've answered everything so clearly. Uh, it's been an amazing hour. Thank you. Thank you very much. It's been a pleasure. To find out more about our show, guests, or listen to a previous show, visit our website at www.somethingweirdmedia.com. The mission has been completed. The end! By George, he's got it! It is the end! I'll see you. If you're lying to me, I'll be back. This has been a production of Something Weird Media.